Last week, we talked about the Bible from 3 John, and what we talked about was God's truth. And what we did was we looked at God's truth and how God's truth, when we, when we look at it, uh, when we embrace it, when we decide that we want to re- read it and meditate it, what actually God's truth does is it, it forms our lives, it forms our character. And rather than um, just looking at the Bible and, and looking at what well, God says that we should be doing these things is kind of out of a sense of duty, what we can do is we can look at how the Bible, the Bible shapes our hearts and it, it shapes our minds and it shapes our desires and it shapes our direction and it, it shapes our, our hopes and maybe even shapes our fears. Um, Gary mentioned a guy by the name of Ryan and I, I had a chance to actually look at the letter that he sent out. And at the end of the letter, Ryan, this gentleman um, who's being held as a prisoner, um, quoted Psalm 62, uh, verses 11 and 12. And he didn't write it out, he just quoted the reference. And I'm like, well, I need to look at that. I want to look at what six, Psalm 62, 11 and 12 is. And this is what it is. And so here is Ryan. He's being held as a prisoner. He's been held as a prisoner um, in Mozambique from, uh, since October And this is what he writes. This is a letter to his family. He writes this wonderful letter, and then he writes and and, uh, has this reference to Psalm 62. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. And, And I thought this scripture was important because of where he finds himself at in life. He's being held against his wishes. There's injustice being done. He's done nothing wrong. He's being held prisoner in Mozambique. And yet he gives this testimony from Psalm 62 about how what God is loving and that God has not forgotten about him and God cares for us. And I say that as a reminder to all of us, that's how God desires to speak to us. In the midst of the difficulties and challenges of life, when life is really ugly and we don't know what's going on, we have an incredibly wonderful resource that we can go to. And God's Word will help us. God's Word will speak to us in a mighty, powerful way. It will speak to our minds and our hearts. It will inform us and it will offer the encouragement that we, that we need. And that's why we encourage you to have a daily time spent in God's Word so it can frame your life. There's another spiritual discipline that I want to talk about this morning that I believe that we need in it. It's the idea of, of we need to be people who talk to God. We need to be people who talk to God. Um, last week on, on Wednesday, I, I had the great privilege of going to the doctor because I needed to have a, uh, a physical. You know, I need to do this every year. And it's kind of a, a little bit intimidating because you go, you do the blood work, you do all this stuff, then you go sit before the doctor, and the doctor tells you basically all the things that you need to change and all the things you need to do. And so I'm listening to him, and I've got to make all these changes in my life, which is not a bad thing. It's, it's good for us to evaluate our life. It's okay for us at times to stop in the midst of all of life and go, I, I want to do a spiritual inventory of my life. I, I want to look at my relationship with the Lord. I want to look at my relationship with people. I want to, I want to look at my relationship in, in light of what the Bible has to say and, and do a healthy evaluation, and maybe I need to adapt and make some changes. And, and I think prayer is, is a part of making those changes an important aspect of our life. I'm sure by now you were all familiar with this football player by the name of DeMar Hamlin, who was seriously injured in that um, game on Monday night, critically injured. They had to take him off of the field. They had to uh, do um, compressions on him while on the field. They had to get him back to life, basically, when he was in the hospital. And what I found interesting is there's an ESPN reporter by the name of um, 
Dan Orlovsky, and I don't know how to say his name, but right after, on the Tuesday, right after um, he had been hurt, this guy by the name of DeMar had been hurt, he stopped in the middle of his NFL Live. He's, a, he's an ESPN reporter. And, and he said these words, he says, listen, what, what I want to do is I, I want to stop in the midst of life and I want to pray. And this is what he said. I heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. Interesting. We believe in prayer. What does that mean? And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but it's just on my heart, and I want to pray for Damar Hamlin right now. I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes and bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him, Orlovsky said. And this is what he said. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you has an impact. We're sad, we're angry, we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar. Be with his family to give him the peace. If we didn't believe that God, that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift Damar Hamlin's name up in your name. Amen. Then he concluded. And I bring that to you because here's a guy who's literally at that particular point in time was fighting for his life. And it's been interesting to watch how all of this has played up over the last week and how people have talked about praying for him and people have publicly talked about praying for him and people have publicly talked about watching what's been happening as people have prayed for him and for his life. And the question I think that we're confronted with is, do, do we believe in prayer in the way that this guy believes in prayer? Boldly coming before, stopping on national TV, if you will, and offering a prayer, believing that God hears and believing that God will respond to the things going on in his life. And I think what we're confronted with, with regard to our spiritual disciplines and our relationship with the Lord is, is, is do we have this desire to spend time with God and speak to him and to let him know about what's going on in our life, no matter what's going on in our life, big, little, What's interesting is this, is that God says, God says, come to me. The creator, the creator of the universe wants to hear from me. Can you believe that? And he wants to hear from you. If you've been reading the Bible this past week, and if you're reading any of the Psalms, in the Psalms, we're invited to bring our requests to God. Psalm chapter 5 says this, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help. My King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you. And I wait in expectation. The great king, the great David, the mighty, powerful David writes this psalm. And do you notice how he writes it? He says, give ear. Consider my, uh, my sighing. How do you read a sigh? God can read a sigh. God can read the hearts, the minds of people. He knows what's going on in our lives. And if God is so mighty and God is so powerful, and God is so loving, and God cares about us so much, so why would we not want to bring that to Him 
and to respond to him. And that's what we're invited to do in the Bible, to lay our requests before a loving and holy God. And I believe that our lives will be different as we recognize him for who he is and we embrace him for who he is. So what I'm going to do is I, I'm just going to invite you to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 18. The, the text that I want to look at is, is, is this. It's a text that Jesus spoke to his followers. Jesus spoke to his disciples about not just prayer, but about, but, but about persevering in prayer. You know, we need to be encouraged to persevere in prayer. Why? Because a lot of times we're worn out. A lot of times things happen. A lot of times we don't see God respond in the way that we think he should. And what happens is this, we lose heart and we give up. So what I want to do is simply in the time remaining is I just want to talk about this idea of what does it mean to persevere in prayer as a spiritual discipline. Hear the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Verse 6, the application, if you will. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that no matter where we would find ourselves this morning, the good, the bad, the difficulties, the challenges. Father, you know exactly what's going on in our hearts and our minds. Father, you know what's going on in our souls. And you simply invite us to come to you. You invite us to bring our requests to you. You invite us not to give up, but to persevere. So, Father, I pray this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would open our eyes. Father, that we would see wonderful things from your word about what it means to speak to you and to persevere. And Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So what I simply want to do is this. I want to look at the text and I want to ask, what does the text inform us about persevering in prayer? Well, let's just take a look at it. Number one, what do we learn? Prayer is, is necessary. I, I know that sounds obvious. I, I know it sounds obvious. But at times we just don't do it. But, but we need to pray. It's necessary that we pray. Look at verse 1 again. It says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable what? to show them that they should always pray and not to give up. There, there is a very specific purpose to the nature of this prayer with Jesus and to his disciples. That they, they, they should always pray. It, 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 mean, it means this. It should means it's necessary. It's necessary for you and I to pour our our hearts, if you will, and to tell him about what's going on in our lives. He knows all that's going on in our life, but he wants to hear from us. He wants to express the frustrations that we have, the joys that we have. He wants to hear from us because he's a loving and caring Heavenly Father. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this, listen to what the unjust judge says. Jesus is calling 
to us and calling to disciples. I want you to, to, to pay attention to what's going on here. Listen to this parable because it will shape your life because God wants to hear from you. So what might we learn, if you will, in this prayer, in this parable about the nature of prayer? A couple of things. Number one, though it's not directly here, but it's indirectly, Jesus modeled prayer to his followers. He modeled prayer to his disciples. If you go back and look at Luke chapter 11, verse 2, Jesus had just gone away, and he just happened to go away to pray, and he comes back, and the disciples watch him as he comes back, and they said, Lord, will you teach us to pray? So Jesus had already told them about prayer. He already told them about the nature of prayer. He'd already told them about the significance of prayer. And if you go back and look at Luke chapter 11, verse 2, when they asked that question about praying, Jesus told them a story, and the story went like this. He says, listen, if you go to bed at night, and if you're sleeping at night, and your neighbor comes over and he starts knocking on your door, banging on your door, and he starts telling you that, listen, a guy's just showed up at my house. I don't have any food for him. I'm knocking on the door. Will you give me some food? Will you help me? Remember the story? And Jesus says this. He says, the reason this man's going to get up and the reason that he's going to respond to this person is not because he wants to help him. It's not because of his friendship. It's because of the man's boldness in coming to him in the middle of the night and asking for help. And so Jesus has already taught his followers. He's already taught the disciples. He's already taught us about the importance of boldness, the importance of confidence, the importance of coming to him. And so what we have here is this. We have this, this idea that Jesus would like us to continue to persevere and not to give up when it's difficult, to continue to pray when life is hard. What else might we learn from this Jesus model prayer? Second thing is this. It's a time to pray. It's a time to pray. And what I mean by, is this. If you go book and you go back and look at the context of Luke chapter 17, we have this understanding that Jesus is teaching them something specific. He's telling the people, he's telling the religious leaders, he's telling all of these people that he is going to leave. He's going to, one day he's going to leave this earth. One day he's going to come back in might and power. And in between the time that he goes to the cross, offers himself as a sacrifice for sin, and then in the future when he returns, there's this time of waiting. We call it the last days. Between the incarnation, the first coming, and the second coming, there's this idea of of waiting. It's a time of grace, where God's grace is being poured out on fallen humanity. And that's what he's dealing with here. Notice what he says, then Jesus told them this prayer. In other words, in between the, the first coming and in between the second coming, there's this waiting, there's the last times. And what should we be doing in the middle of the last times? He says this, we should be praying. What are we praying for? Between the first coming and the second coming, there's this idea of God's grace and God's goodness. Do you realize when Jesus comes again at his second coming, it's a time of judgment? So we are living in a time of God's grace. And so when he says, listen, now is the time to pray, what we are praying is that God would convict the hearts and minds of people that they would be able to respond to the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we are waiting for and the necessity for us to pray is this. It's a a time of God's grace where God's grace is being poured out. And what we should be doing is we should be praying for our friends, for our neighbors, for all of those unsaved people that what? That Jesus would draw them to himself. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Now is a time for us to pray in the midst of the waiting. What else can we learn from this? We, We need to pray because life is difficult. Listen, life is hard. How was life for this person in the 
in the parable. She was a woman. And notice she keeps going to the judge because there's an adversary, which means this, if she's going to the judge and there's an adversary, we get this idea that this woman, she's, she's all alone, nobody's going with her, and nobody seems to be helping her. So life is extremely difficult for this woman, this widow, if you will, and because she's all alone. And you get this picture because she's a widow, because she's all alone, because there's this adversary. What's happening is that she has nowhere else to go. I mean, if, if one of your neighbors was a widow and you saw them things going on in her life, wouldn't just a sense of human compassion drive us to want to help them? And here we have this picture of this poor widow who has nowhere else to go. She's all alone. Maybe what happens when we have nowhere else to go and our backs are up against the wall, we have to look up to Jesus for who he is and what he's done. And that's what this widow is doing. She's simply calling, crying out for justice to be done in her life. We pray because Jesus modeled prayer. We pray because life is difficult. Thirdly, we pray because sometimes there's injustice. This woman is facing injustice. Why? She's a widow. And there's no one around to help her. Secondly, she is facing an adversary. We don't know exactly what the adversary is doing. Maybe she has some property. Maybe there's some things going on in her life. But there's someone who's coming to her and somehow harming her in such a way, an adversary, somebody who's against her, coming to her, harming her in such a way that she has nowhere else to go. So what does she do? She takes the legal route. When you are not treated justly, when you're not treated fairly, what do you do? You go to the judge. And what is happening here? This judge won't even hear her case. This poor, widowed woman has nowhere else to go, and she is facing incredible injustice. Why? Look at verse 2. Because of this man, this unrighteous judge. Verse 2, we get the description of the man. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. Here's this poor widow, no one to help her. She has to go before a judge who has no fear of God and doesn't really care about people. He's not accountable. There's no sense of shame in his life. He doesn't feel responsible to help. He really doesn't care about this poor widow and her cause at all. And the reality is, this woman had nowhere else to go to seek justice. Sometimes we have no place left to go in life but to come to God and ask him for help in the midst of this difficult and challenging circumstance and situation. And do you, do you hear what Jesus says in here? Jesus says, yes, it matters that you pray. You're going to get justice. And it matters because I care for you. That's the point. Don't give up in the midst of whatever you're going through. Don't give up in the midst of the fight. Don't give up in the midst of injustice because Jesus knows what's going on in our life. God knows what's going on in our life. Listen, it's easy to give up. You tell your friend about Christ and you, you, you see no response, so he's like, well, I'm just going to give up. And you live your life righteously and you live your life in a godly way at your job or on your family and friends and you don't see any fruit going on. And so you, well, I, I tried that. I, I'm just going to give up. Or maybe you've done some other things 
and you just feel like, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just giving up on that person. What the parable teaches us is that we need to continue to persevere in the midst of difficulties and challenges of life because God hears, God knows, and God will eventually respond. And what does the gal do? She perseveres. She perseveres in life. She perseveres in this parable. Jesus gives this parable to remind us that you and I need to persevere. How does she persevere? Look at verse 1 again. She perseveres in the midst of discouragement. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not, and not give up. And not give up. This woman had every reason to give up. No one is listening to her. No one is fighting for her. And this guy, this judge, this unrighteous judge, has no thought and feeling of trying to help her out in life. Listen, maybe you're facing injustice. Maybe you're facing difficulties and challenges in life. Don't give up. Don't give up. Persevere. Continue to move forward. Continue to trust that God knows exactly what's going on in your life. Don't be discouraged because of who God is, because he wants to, to help us. This, this parable, this teaching from Jesus, has a specific purpose, and it's to encourage us not to give up. And so what we see, the way that the woman perseveres is this, that she continues in the midst of discouragement. What else do we learn from this poor widow? Look at verse 3. She prayed consistently. Notice what it says. Jesus says, she kept coming with the prey. You know what it means is this, that she showed up one day and told the judge what was going on, and he shut her down, and she left. And then she showed up the next day, told the judge what was going on in her life, and he shut her down, and she left. And then she showed up the next day, and she showed up the next day, and she showed up the next day, and she showed up the next day. She kept coming to the judge because she had nowhere else to go. And when you look at the text, verse 4 says, this has been going on for quite some time. And what Jesus' point is, listen, don't be discouraged, but consistently bring your requests to the Lord because God loves you and God cares about you and God wants to hear about what's going on in your life. Look at verse 6, the contrast between the unjust judge and God. Verse 6 says this, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Yes, God's going to bring vindication. We may not see it sometimes in this particular lifetime, but God is a God of justice. And God will see, God will hear, and God will eventually bring vindication to our cause and to our life if we continue to be persistent in calling and crying out. And listen, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. And the last thing, what else do we learn? She prayed boldly. She prayed boldly. Look at verse 5. Yet because this widow, this is the unjust judge, he's speaking, because this widow keeps bothering me, bothering me. Moms, dads, moms, remember with your child going through the checkout line at the grocery store? And when you go through the checkout line at the grocery store, what's on the aisles? All the candy. And little Ashley says, oh, mommy, can I have a candy bar? No. We talked about this. Mommy, can I have a candy? No. And, and what, what happens? 
you get bothered by your son or your daughter because they want a candy bar. And sometimes, what do you do? We don't like to admit this, but we just give in, right? Oh, you're bothering me. You bore me out. You're, I, I'm done. I, I'm just going to shut you up. That's what she's doing. She's bothering him. You know what this actually means? She's nagging him, nagging him for what's going on, and it's wearing him out, and he doesn't know what to do. He's boldly coming to him. Look at also uh, at, at verse 5. It says this. The phrase, wear me out, it literally has the idea of being struck in the face under the eye with a blow. And so what he's actually saying is, this gal, this widow, is wearing me out and she is beating me down because she keeps coming to me. She is relentless and she will not give up. And I think what Jesus is teaching us in this parable is this. When it comes to prayer, and it comes to injustice, and it comes to the hard things in life, we have a God who loves us, who cares, and invites us to come to him. And he doesn't want us to give up. He wants us to continue to persevere boldly, to be encouraged in who he is and what he's done for us. Remember, think about it this way. This side of the cross... We have what? We have the Spirit of God who lives inside of us to comfort us, to teach us, to help us in our weaknesses. This side of the cross, we have an advocate in Jesus who actually, what? He goes before us and he prays for us. He's, he's praying for us. He's interceding for us in ways that we cannot think or imagine. So we have the Spirit of God inside of us. We have the character of Jesus praying for us. And he invites us simply to persevere and not to give up in life. So at the beginning of my sermon, I mentioned um, this MAF pilot. And Gary mentioned this MAF pilot by the name of Ryan Kohler. He has been held captive in Mozambique for 60 days. And so what I want to do is um, we support the RASC, we support MAF. And what I want to do is I, I just want to show you the video that his wife put out. Um, she recorded about a three-minute video about what's going on. And I think in light of what's going on with this gentleman um, being held, it seems to be very unjustly uh, because of his role in working with MAF and going and helping these orphanages. He seems to be held unjustly. And what I want to do is I, I just want you to hear her words, her recorded words um, about what's going on and maybe a summary. So uh, here is the video. Uh, her name is Annabelle. Hello, my name is Annabelle Cower. My husband Ryan and I have served as missionaries with Mission Aviation Fellowship since 2019. In December 2021, we moved to Mozambique in southeastern Africa with our two young boys, where Ryan has been using his skills as a pilot and airplane mechanic. On November 4th of 2022, Ryan was on a scheduled flight to the southern part of Mozambique to pick up supplies that would ultimately be delivered to an orphanage in the north. Two South African men who are connected with the orphanage brought the supplies to the airport, and as they were going through normal airport security, the officer became suspicious of the vitamins, over-the-counter medicine, and food preservatives. This resulted in the detainment of both men as well as Ryan. It's now been two months and they're still detained in a maximum security prison in Mozambique with accusations of supporting insurgents. 
Still, no formal charges have been made at this time. I know many of you have been praying and fasting on Ryan's behalf, and I can't begin to express the gratitude I have for that. Every prayer and note is an encouragement to me as I see the global body of Christ come together at the feet of Jesus in many nations and tongues. As Ryan wrote from prison, there is a struggle between flesh and spirit in this trying time. He says, So the spirit and flesh are always at war, forcing me again and again to the feet of Jesus, where I find my strength so that the outworking of my faith is confidence of mind. Overall, we are finding comfort in God's sovereignty, and he has given us an unexplainable peace and trust in his will at this time. Just as we can see in David's many Psalms, our tears crying out for help are mingled with the praises of God's glory and goodness. We ask that you join us or continue to join us in fasting and praying for Ryan's release and the spread of the gospel. We've set aside every Wednesday as a day of prayer and fasting, but we are by no means limited to one day a week to lay our requests before the Lord. I think of the church in Acts 12 when Peter was arrested. In verse 5 it says, But the church was praying fervently to God for him. And when God set Peter free in verse 12, Peter found the church assembled and praying. I urge all of us to be like that church. Let us be fervently praying for Ryan's release and the spread of God's word. And may that be what we're doing when we hear the joyous news of Ryan's freedom. I appreciate all of you who have been and will be interceding for Ryan and our family. God has been faithful to give us peace and strength. We're thankful that he allows us to be a part of his work and we look forward to his will being done. I, I wanted to show that just to remind us that there is a sense of urgency as we live out the Christian faith. There's a lot of injustice. You know, you may face injustice. We may face injustice. There's a lot of hard things that we go through in life. And sometimes I think it's really easy for us just to forget to pray. You know, maybe it's really easy for us because we're complacent. I've got money in the bank. Got a nice home. My family's doing well. Man, I've got a really nice life, 40 years with my wife. I wonder sometimes if we just forget that there is a sense of urgency in life, that there's a danger in life, that there's a lot of hard things going on, not just on the screen, but in our lives. I listened to this clip, and, and I thought about a, a list that I have of, of four people going through really hard things. Number one is Ryan. Number two is the name... Of, of a woman who has cancer, who's very, very sick and is, is possibly could die from cancer. And another one who's very, very sick with, with cancer. And then another person who's going through some really, really hard times. And in my mind, when I'm trying to, I'm saying, Lord, I, I want to remember these people and, and I want to pray for them. And, and, and that's what I want to leave us with this morning. Is I want to leave us with this sense of, listen, I don't want to guilt you into praying. I don't. I, it, it, that doesn't work. What I want to do is I want to motivate us out of the heart of a God who loves us, out of a heart of a God who cares about us, a, a heart from a God who, who wants so much to hear from us. And I think that's what we have in the way that, that Jesus ends this parable. There's an application. Look at verse 8. It says this, 
However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In other words, the, the question is, I, I'm going to return, but what, what's going to happen with all of those people? Am I going to find you faithful? Or is it because of this long delay that we seem to experience of 2,000 years that what we're going to do is, well, nothing's going to happen in my life. There's no sense of urgency in my life. There's nothing pressing in my life, so I'm just going to continue to move on. And the question is, how do we live by faith? How do we pray by faith? Real quickly, a couple of things. We pray by faith. Look at verse 7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? You and I have a relationship of grace and goodness because before the very foundation of the world, God called me to be his son. And God called you to be his daughter. Not because he's something good in you, but because of my own sin and my own sickness deep inside of my heart, God says, I'm going to send my grace to you and I'm going to open up your mind and your heart to the message of the gospel of God's grace. Will you trust me? You and I are God's chosen people. And are we going to live out our chosenness? Romans talks about whether we live or whether we die. In Romans chapter 14, I memorize these two verses. It says, whether we live or we die, we belong to God. Isn't that awesome? No matter what happens in my life, I belong to God. So there's a motivation for us, if you will, to pray with faith. Look at verse 6. We have faith in God's character. What Jesus draws out is the contrast between the unjust judge and the character of a loving, concerned God who will bring justice to our lives when we call out to him and we cry out to him. Maybe not immediately, but the very character of God reminds us that he loves us and that he cares for us, and he wants us to bring our requests to him. We have faith in God's character. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your anxiety upon him. Why? Because he cares for you, as Peter says. He cares for you. We have faith because we belong to him. We have faith in the character of God, and we have faith that he cares for us. God is not like the unjust judge who had no concern over this poor, helpless widow. God is a God who has compassion on all of his children, and he knows what's going on in our lives, and that should be a motivation for us coming and crying out to him for who he is and what he's done for us. God cares for us in a wonderful and beautiful way. Don't forget that. Don't forget that, that God loves you. And the last thing I want to leave you with is in verse 7. In the life of this widow, there was a delay. And what she was doing in the midst of the delay, she was continuing to persevere in life. And what I say to you is sometimes there is a delay in the way that God will respond. Maybe that's true in your life. Man, I've got two or three things in my life that I'm waiting, waiting for God to act on, waiting for God to respond to. And they're all, I believe, in line with God's word and what he would have. They're all in line with what God would want us to do. And what we have to do sometimes, we have to trust in the timing of God as we wait upon him. And we persevere in what he would have us to do as we bring our request to him. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And what we want to do is we want to pray in the midst of all of that and we want to persevere in prayer. 
So just a couple of things as I end this. Number one, we have people that meet over here after our service. They want to pray with you. You can join us on a Wednesday night. We, we meet on, online, Zoom. We pray on Wednesday night. There's all kinds of opportunities you, for you to be a part of the context of our church and to pray. You know, maybe find a prayer partner. Maybe create that list. Maybe, maybe begin to say, okay, Lord, what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to discipline myself and I'm going to spend, and I'm going to put my timer down, I'm going to spend five minutes praying. I'm going to spend five minutes praying today. And I'm just going to talk to you. And I'm going to respond to you because this is important. I, I have to do that. I, I want to be disciplined. So I, I set a timer. And, and I get my Bible out and I, I get the Psalms out, and and in my mind, I have to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to focus on this God's word right now, and I'm going to pray, because my mind strays. My mind, it does, it goes off, and I'm thinking about baseball games, I'm thinking about all this other stuff, and I've got to discipline myself and put myself on God's word, so I look at the Psalms, and maybe that's what you've got to do. I don't know what it is. I would invite you to come out next Sunday night as we just take some time, six o'clock, and speak to the Lord. Listen, my desire this morning is not to beat you up. Not at all. Because I want to be applying the same principles that I see here. And I know that it's really important for me to to spend time before the Lord to pray. And I know it's important for all of us to do that. So I, I would ask that you just go on this journey with us. You know, take some time. Discipline yourself to sit before the Lord and to ask Him for help. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the words of Jesus who invites us to persevere in prayer. Lord, as we look forward to and await your coming, God, we want to be people of faith. We want to be faithful people. So we ask, God, that you would encourage us, that you would speak to us through your word. Father, the very nature and character of our heavenly Father is that you love us and that you invite us to come to you to cast all of our burdens and our cares upon you. Father, may we be people who persevere. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.